Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, your leading source of info for insights and best practices in digital health and digital transformation. Join host Patty Padmanabhan, CEO of Demo Consulting and co-author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how technology, consumerism, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with leading practitioners of healthcare and technology. This podcast is sponsored by HealthNext, the enterprise-class virtual care platform from Tech Mahindra Health and Life Sciences. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast. It is my great privilege and honor today to introduce my special guest, Pamela Arora, Chief Information Officer of Children's Hospital in Dallas. Pamela, thank you so much for setting aside the time and welcome to the show. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Patty. You're most welcome. So let's get started. Uh, Tell us a little bit about children's health and the patient populations you serve. We have several hospitals and ambulatory clinics as well as extensive telehealth into schools and other community hospitals here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It's our honor to serve the patient families in this community. Very good. So this podcast is mostly about digital transformation and uh, the technology enablement aspects of it. So maybe we could start uh, with this. Uh, can you tell us, can you give us an overview of the digital programs that you're currently operating in your uh, institution? Absolutely. Um, thank you, Patty. As far as our enterprise IT systems, they're designed to support enterprise organizational initiatives and strategies. And I'll give you an example. We have an enterprise initiative, Becoming the Difference Together. And it really is about transforming the experience of our team members, our providers, our patients, and those that enable and provide their care. And in this initiative, we apply digital capabilities across the continuum of care so that we can maximize the efficiency and effectiveness of the experience we deliver to our patient families. So instead of just having like these one-off technology solutions, we really try to look at technology holistically. And um, in light of this becoming a difference together enterprise initiative, our telehealth programs help to support that. Our patient monitoring programs allow patients to be in their home setting in some instances so that they don't have to be in our hospital walls. Our voice recognition programs, for example, initially piloted with providers and then um, really expanded to other caregivers so that they can be more optimized in how they deliver that care experience. And then more specifically, our patient experience programs where we leverage mobility to make it more convenient for our patient families. We have a digital front door that can basically route you from your front door to the clinic's door on the third floor of a particular building. So as we're looking at how we want to support digital, we really wrap it around these enterprise initiatives and the patient experience is a really key one. But the patient experience, I like that example because it touches on so many different technologies from telehealth 
to customer relationship management systems, CRM information that's gathered and shared and used along the continuum of care, our electronic medical record, of course, and that really is key to inform care delivery, but also being able to work it so that it's very patient family centric, even down to our biomedical devices and how that information flows from a biomedical device into our EMR so it can trigger certain kinds of logic or allow us to make better decisions when we apply algorithms to that kind of data. But it gives you an idea of how holistic the programs are at Children's when it comes to digital health. Yeah, I like that actually, the the holistic uh, approach, which takes into account uh, your core infrastructure and your systems but also look at uh, emerging technologies in the context of digital health and digital transformation. Maybe I should just ask a very simple question. How do you define digital health? Uh, Very good question. And I find every organization has different nuances to how they define it. But at Children's Health, like that example I gave with enterprise initiatives with the Becoming the Difference campaign, the way we look at digital health and how it's defined It's through effectively applying our digital capabilities across the continuum of care and support structures, thereby maximizing efficiency, effectiveness, and experience. When you think of like pediatrics and that whole digital experience, there's examples where you can use the digital experience to enhance the capabilities that you deliver to patient families. Yeah. So you serve a very unique uh, population group. Uh, You're a children's hospital. So what kind of unique capabilities do you have to develop in a digital program to serve your populations? Very good question. And when you think about just care in general, we all have our own healthcare experience with ourselves, with our parents, with our children, with neighborhood folks that you see that are getting care delivered and having unique needs. But when you take a look at pediatrics, you're really working with the family unit, not just the patient. And children can't always consent on their own behalf, but depending on their age, in some cases they can. And as you are looking to kind of enhance an experience, you have to consider this um, broader support structure for those children. So the beauty of the EHR, for example, is it's highly configurable and very necessary because I'll give the example, we're located in Texas. We need to configure to our state laws and regulations. So um, if you work with a foster care CPS patient, in these cases, the data is not shared in our patient portal. It'll be shared among clinicians, but it won't be shared in the portal. And it's because we don't want to place the patient or foster care families at risk. Once a patient is out of the foster care system, then we're able to facilitate information sharing for the patient through our portal. At the same time, clinical data regarding these patients is available via interoperability and it's the capability of our EHR and very needed because basically you want clinicians to always have informed care But that foster care example is kind of helpful for people to get around the nuances of what you have to do with the system to work it effectively. So I'm going to give you a second example. With adolescents, they are treated differently in every state. 
In Texas, certain conditions such as drug, alcohol abuse, or STD status are shareable with parents and guardians. In other states, these conditions cannot be shared. This is a kind of a unique area of pediatrics, but when you think about it, pediatrics is really addressed through Medicaid programs that are state governed and the state laws apply to patients' health records. The adult world is different because patients are governed by the federal regulated Medicare program. So these give you some examples of where you have different nuances that need to be addressed according to a state regulation, but also in some cases preferences by a family unit versus just the individual patient. Highly <laughs> configurable systems allow us to simplify clinical and business workflows economically instead of high maintenance systems that require custom bill, which frankly, we're wherever possible, we try to be a packaged implementation shop where we try to take things off the shelf and configure them. Uh, we don't want to get into custom code if we can avoid it, but there are a handful of situations where we actually do need to do custom code because the market doesn't supply what we need. But in any case, when it comes to patient families, there's just a lot of areas that you have to make sure you handle appropriately and make the data available when it needs to be. But in certain instances, it doesn't necessarily follow the rule for all patient families. Those are fascinating examples. And I had no idea how intricate and how nuanced uh, the laws are and how they vary from state to state when it comes to pediatrics. Now, you mentioned technology choices, and actually, uh, it was a great segue to my next uh, uh, topic of discussion. How do you go about assessing your technology choices, specifically in the context of digital programs? And where do you start? Do you start with your EHR? Do you look for best-in-class tools? How do you go about it? Can you walk us through your typical thought process when it comes to this? Yeah, when it comes to, again, uh, when it comes to making technology choices, <laughs> I offer, and it's a common quote, just because you're a hammer, not everything is a nail. Right. It's important to understand the organization's goals and recognize where technology can be a game changer and it can better support your strategic direction. But while technology is a key element in digital programs, there are instances where process or culture change may make the most impact. In any event, the role of enterprise IT is to make sense of the architecture so we can economically build, buy, or rent the systems needed to support our vision. So as we're assessing technology, we kind of look at it and say, you know, what makes sense at this uh, particular time? Some solutions are better to build, some to buy, others we prefer to rent. But an example I'll give is we originally built our data center out and it housed our ERP system on site. And that was a simple solution at the time. But several years back, our vendor eventually developed a solution that they can provide better, faster and cheaper in the cloud. So we shifted our model. And the key is the price point to shifting because in some cases you have sunk investments in certain yeah. assets in your organization. But um, we, anytime we're doing a technology refresh, we're checking what is the right answer now. And in addition to that, we're constantly monitoring to see if we need to make a change because we can do it more economically or in a more simplified way. 
IT tends to have to figure out how to simplify technology so it's more adaptable. So some of the examples I give the enterprise and how you assess the technology, when you think about data flow across the continuum of care, that's inside our walls and outside our walls of our institutions, we are the ultimate plumber and we want the systems to be reliable like a utility where you can just count on it. Yeah. Our mindset Whenever you can create simplicity in your systems so that it becomes a reliable tool that your organization can count on. And when a workflow or architecture is complex, IT should try and simplify its application to improve adoption. Now, if a particular model is difficult to understand or use, providers won't use it. Your back office staff won't use it. Another plus for simplifying the utility of the system is cost savings, scalability, efficiency. All of those come into play when you try to work towards that simple, adaptable solution. I'll give an example. A solution we're evaluating is a patient identification patch that can replace the armband. Today, we have armbands. We use it to scan for medications. We use it to identify the patient. All of that's taken care of. But we're currently piloting a technology that can replace that with like a very thin patch that can go on the patient family. And not only can it identify the patient family member, the patient, and be scanned through clothing, it can help monitor vital signs such as the pulse. Today, we have a little piece of equipment that clips to the patient. And in those instances, it's not necessarily very comfortable, especially for those really tiny patients. So anything we can do that can help the patient family experience from a comfort level, as well as improve the experience for providers and staff. Imagine in the middle of the night where they're having to scan your child and they have to get to that armband and they, they wake up to the child because that's the only way they can get to it. So now we're talking about something that can identify the patient that much more readily, be scanned through clothing so the child can stay sleeping, and on top of that, be able to give you the vital signs. These types of technologies really get into hitting on all the aspects that really can help care, because people think about the patient experience, but if we can't provide an excellent clinical provider experience, then they're not delivering the best care they possibly yeah, yeah. can. So we're, we're pretty excited about that. Those are great examples. In fact, uh, you talk about uh, the experience in the context of providers, and uh, you, you mentioned a couple of times that the technology has to be easy to use for it to gain adoption, at least among the providers. Now, with digital, it's a whole different expectation, right? As consumers, we're all used to seamless experiences from the retailing industry, the e-commerce industry, the personal banking industry, and so on. And healthcare, by all accounts, is has some catching up to do in that context. What are some of the big challenges that you see when it comes to engagement and adoption with your uh, user community, namely your patient or your patient families, when you roll out some of these tools? Very good question. I also have worked in multiple industries prior to being a CIO in healthcare. At one point, I was the CIO of Ross Perot's company, Perot Systems, and frankly, had a chance to work in just about every industry. And I've been able to really witness different types of consumer engagement. And as a patient in the health system, 
I've experienced varying levels of engagement as well, because we all have our um, own healthcare experience. One of the challenges of digital engagement in healthcare involves data. And this is something that I respectfully share with my, you know, when I talk to peers in manufacturing and different industries, if an organization such as mine is taking a patient-centric approach, continuity of data is critical because it informs patient care. Oftentimes, however, patient data is fragmented because it's created in different provider organizations and not within our four walls. That's why it's important to promote interoperability initiatives to make data flow easier across the continuum of care. And back to that example of foster care, the patient could receive care in varying locations with different families over the course of their youth. And in this type of situation, the impact of interoperability is evident. I mean, it can get down to just whether it's safe care or not, if you're not aware of certain allergies and um, different kinds of prior clinical care delivery that could impact it when a physician is delivering care to that patient. So if the data can be integrated, it makes it that much more easy for the provider to be more effective and deliver informed care. Also, it's just catering to preferences. Maybe that patient family prefers to be communicated with text or prefers Thursday appointments versus Monday appointments. If the data isn't integrated, providers may not have full visibility into the care of the patient, including those support systems, support processes like scheduling. So it's important when you consider the cost and frequency of how these are used. And I'm gonna give you another example. Think of testing or think of even immunizations. Without visibility into the patient's care, you could subject a patient to multiple tests that may have already been completed. Bottom line is, you don't know what you don't know if you don't have visibility to that data. So that various touch points within the health system, it all needs to come together so that a patient can have a favorable experience because you have to know the patient, you have to know their needs. Fascinating examples. How do you measure success with your digital programs? I imagine you're making a lot of investments today in emerging tech. You talked about a number of them, voice and so on. How do you go about measuring the impact and measuring success? Yeah, with our existing enterprise programs, we continue to extend their reach and in turn impacts in our organization and the community, such as our EHR, our EMR, electric medical record, and our ERP solutions, enterprise resource planning and CRM solutions. In some areas, we see more opportunity for growth. We have a lot more that we can do with our um, patient-centric focus by building up the data in our customer relation management system. It's getting a lot of attention right now, but as far as success, some of it's reach, some of it is, it's one thing for the system to be able to have that reach, it's another for the system to be adopted and be able to see the growth in the populations that are using it. So take telehealth, for example. We have an existing infrastructure that is being used to support our telehealth programs. And they've been, our telehealth programs have been in place for over a decade. We are continuously looking to enhance our tools to ensure we can deliver on our mission. Some of that is beyond telehealth, basically going in and um, having remote monitoring so kiddos can go home even sooner. But the telehealth program, we're in over a hundred schools today. And that has been fabulous for being able to deliver optimal care. 
increasing those touch points across the continuum of care is key and simplifying that data across the continuum of care so that we can deliver on the three E's, efficiency, effectiveness, and experience is really a key. Our measure of effectiveness for our programs are based on the impact that we're making with that transformation of care. Some of it's adoption, some of it yeah. we can see where we're improving no-show rates because um, that telehealth visit is allowing people to be in a more comfortable setting so they end up they end up showing up, which is yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, it's expensive when you have no-shows. And um, yeah. on top of just inefficiency of it, it's also a sign that we're not delivering care where it's optimized for that patient family. So we have our KPIs, our key performance indicators, using the data in a novel way, such as data analytics and AI is another opportunity to be able to make sure that we're delivering care. And you've heard this quite often from many, right resource, right time, right place. It's critical, but with the KPIs, we can see that we're moving the needle. Yeah. You talked about telehealth and we've, in the last few months, we've seen a significant shift toward virtual care models in general. So I was just curious to know your thoughts on where you see the market headed as it relates to telehealth and virtual care in general? Yeah, that's an area where I would say that the toothpaste is out of the tube and it's difficult to put it back. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And, um, yeah. You know, from, yeah, from our standpoint, we believe in telehealth and we believe it's here to stay. And from our standpoint, that's great news because it's one of the many tools we've invested in to ensure we can deliver care to our patients when and where they need it conveniently. We yeah. have this phrase of we want to deliver care where kiddos live, learn, and play. And we've spent the last decade developing programs. We have a very robust tele-NICU program. And um, back to that school-based telehealth program, again, we're in over 100 schools. Post-COVID-19, our organization will continue to expand these telehealth solutions. But what's been wonderful is to see the broader community adoption during COVID. We're really excited and encouraged. Not only is added benefit to telehealth programs, the convenience to those patient families, but it's better for your um, whole health system because you were reducing those no-show rates. An anecdotal observation. It's interesting how just changing a location can reduce anxiety and help patients feel more at ease. Hmm. It's the com combination of convenience and staying at home for your doctor where it's improving the adoption. Now, the other thing is, is it's giving a different insight to that clinical care deliverer, the provider, the doctor, the nurse, because they're actually seeing kiddos in their home setting. And that can tell you a lot of information as well. As far as providing care to our patients, it's this whole virtual experience has been able to scale. And I think the key is making sure that people put whatever infrastructure they're putting in, because some of the organizations are kind of late to the, the playing field here with virtual health. And what has occurred is because the payers have relaxed some of the requirements around telehealth, some of these things are propped up 
where everything you need to capture to properly bill and all of the components that need to go into a robust telehealth solution, some of that's been bypassed. In our organization, it's we've really put the, the plumbing, and as I mentioned before, we put it in some time ago, and we've put robust solutions in place that allow you to capture all the data that you need to. But when it comes to some of the organizations, they haven't necessarily put all that in place. They've um, kind of worked within the boundaries of the relaxed standards. And my concern is, is well, I know it's here to stay, and the consumers, the patient families will not go back because they know we can do this. Yeah. Um, the organizations that have put it in in more of a, let's say, minimal way need to look and really work on getting those infrastructures in place so that when we're post-COVID-19, we are in a position to be able to continue the widespread adoption, which really is what patient families need. Yeah. So Pamela, we are almost uh, at the end of our time here. I'd like to close out with one last question. Based on your experience, uh, and you, you know, you've You've got years and years of fantastic experience with technology in in the context of healthcare, specifically in the last couple of quarters, based on what you've seen and and, uh, digital health programs in general. If there is one best practice that you'd like to share with your peers in the industry, what would it be? Uh, That's a wonderful question. And there's so many different practices that can really enhance a program. But what I offer is we need to keep advancing new technologies and pilot first. And there you can evaluate and determine if you need to adopt more broadly. Um, I'll give the example of something that we've been working with for some time. So we deployed natural language processing systems years ago where physicians could use voice to text for dictation. Now, initially we used the software with, with surgeons and then we expanded it and we ran it locally on their PCs. But first we were kind of working hard to change the behavior of the physicians. And then we expanded it to an enterprise solution where any physician could use it. And it was in the cloud. As we've been getting great success over the years with that, we've been working with other clinicians like the nurses and some of the rad techs and such where they can actually use this natural language processing. But I will offer, if we had jumped straight to having enterprise solutions for every caregiver, we wouldn't have been successful and it would have been more expensive than we really could have afforded at the time because the adoption wasn't where we needed it to be. And some of these solutions needed to be refined so that they could be optimized. When you really take a look at that pilot first and then scale philosophy, you can really change the landscape. And I'd offer when you're doing that, wherever possible, walk in the clinician's shoes, walk in the patient family's shoes so you can understand that experience and the struggles they're having so that you can fix it during the smaller pilot phase with people who are usually giving you a little more latitude, if you will, um, and then scale it up. And um, I'd offer also in light of that, that there's all these tech companies that want you to try their new technologies and they have brilliant ideas around how to refine the experience. But I'd also suggest to them to participate in conferences so people can be aware without kind of badgering them with all these proliferative cold calls 
and work with the innovation labs that are out there. We actually participate in the International Society of Pediatric Innovation, the ISPI, and we have an innovation lab within Children's Health. And these types of programs are really helping tech firms develop effective ways of approaching organizations to try their new product and really do it when you're ready to try it, when you're ready to pilot it. Another example is we participate in other health systems innovation labs. We visited, for example, Cedars-Sinai's innovation lab, where we discovered a product, Ava, that um, helps with using voice recognition where we're applying it in one of our hospitals with deploying it across the entire hospital. And then as we work that pilot more, we hope and plan to put it in our other hospitals as well as home use for our patients. Imagine them learning how to use Alexa to understand their condition and their new normal when they go home and being able to ask Alexa at home rather than having a big stack of papers to go through to try to figure out how to do something like the wound care, et cetera. But um, in any case, I think if you pilot first and scale and you can figure out what's the appropriate size of your pilot, it works not only for your organization, but these feeder tech firms that really can feed into innovation and getting it to the bedside faster, getting it to the clinicians and the home setting faster. So we need to speed this all up. It takes far too long. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is great advice. And I'm sure uh, the technology firms listening to this podcast will take that to heart. Pamela, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for setting aside the time And I wish you and your team all the very best. Very good. Thank you, Patty. It's been an honor. I appreciate it. And I love your podcast. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We invite you to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, The Healthcare Digital Transformation Leader. Write to us at info at thebigunlock.com with your feedback and questions. 